This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. We've got a great show for you here today for show number 588. We've got Mark Springer, the uh, RIA president, and we've got Kevin Pearson, the IICRC chairman of the board. We're calling this one detente between RIA and IICRC and an update on their strategic agreement. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Our newest sponsor is the American Industrial Hygiene Association. They've got a new slogan. They just put this out this week at their conference, the AIHCE, Healthier Workplaces, a Healthier World. IAQ Radio Association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists. Learn more at acgih.org. The Cleaning Industry Research Institute. Learn more at cirscience.org. The Indoor Air Quality Association. Learn more at iaqa.org. And the Restoration Industry Association. Learn more at restorationindustry.org. IAQ Radio Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories. Learn more at aemlinc.com. Particles Plus. Learn more at particlesplus.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine. Subscriptions available at healthyindoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnik at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man with this week's IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Hello, everyone. Congratulations go out to Doug Conan, Eric. Tech Environmental, Dayton, Ohio, was first to identify Orlando, Florida as the home of creativity expert near Bashan. The IQ Radio trivia question for today, Friday, June 5, 2020, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company providing unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Here is today's IAQ radio trivia question. It's actually a one in eight billion people question. Name the only person who has ever been documented as the first person to be born on a continent. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. I uh, want to start by introducing our two guests today. We've got Mark Springer. Mark is the IICRC, I'm sorry, is the uh, RIA president. He's also the president of Spring Restoration, a company that performs restoration services in properties that are damaged by disasters like water, fire, wind, and environmental damage. Spring performs these services across the great state of Montana, where Mark has lived his entire life and the family has grown to over 125 team members. We also have Kevin Pearson, the IICRC chairman of the board. He's an industry consultant who's been in the industry since 1962. Well, I'm in there that old Kevin, unless I'm reading that wrong. 92. Okay. <laughs> Kevin started as a technician in the field and worked his way up to managing a cleaning and restoration company. In 2001, he opened Pearson Carpet Care, grew it to a multi-truck operation and was able to sell it in January of 2018. Since then, he's been an industry consultant and performs inspections for flooring manufacturers. He's also, as I said, the IICRC's chairman of the board. I was really uh, lucky enough to serve with Kevin for a few years and appreciated his, uh, he was just fair. You know, he always listened to both sides and uh, was a fair guy. So let's get started. I want to first uh, welcome both guests, Kevin and uh, Mark. Uh, Welcome back to IAC Radio. Thank you. Good to be here. Guys, detente is the easing of strained relations, especially political, by verbal communication. Over the course of the last year, RIA and IICRC have eased tensions and begun working together. As association leaders, um, you've met in person. Do you communicate directly with each other, or do you go through your staff or subordinates? How does that work? You want me to take a first crack at that? 
Go ahead. I, I, I'm just going to finally meet Ken. I've never met him before today. Wow. <laughs> totally kidding. No, we're... Uh, <laughs> okay, you shocked me there for a second. <laughs> no, That's a good uh, one. Kevin and I, I guess, you know, the, the when we really started to get to know each other was through the, what was it, about an 11-month process that we hammered out the terms of the IICRC RIA agreement. Would that be, I think we met before then, but really didn't get to know each other before then. Would that be a fair statement, Kevin? Yeah, that, that would be, that was, that was probably about the time we, we started. Maybe we met a time or two before that, but, uh, but yeah, that was when we really started getting to know each other. And we, since then, and since all this virus stuff, we've had to basically communicate a lot by phone. So yeah, that's been, right. uh, lately, except on calls like this. Yeah, yeah no, and we've had the pleasure of, I know, through the virus period and, and really, uh, I think, accomplishing some stuff that both of our organizations are really proud of. You know, we got to talk all kinds of time. We talk on the weekends. We talk at night. We talk while we're having dinner. We talk all the time. So, no, I, I've really grown to um, admire and respect Kevin as, as we work together. Now, I think you said it well, Joe. I found Kevin to be a very fair person. Um, and, and I really appreciate the relationship that we have now. I mean, I've called him for things that I'd like advice on because I know he has a, a little different perspective and vantage point. You know, there's really a lot of safety in getting uh, counsel and wisdom from various vantage points. And, and Kevin certainly has been one of those for me. And I know he's called me on a few things he, he wanted to get some insight on as well. So it's been a very uh, reciprocal relationship. And, um, you know, it's always understanding in these relationships the motives that, that folks have. And, and I found Kevin's motives on behalf of the industry to really be the, for the best interest of, in, of the industry, rather, to be a lot of times the, really the glue that held together as we were working through that agreement, which was difficult. It was a difficult process getting through that agreement. Uh, but we would always come back to whenever it got really shaky, we'd always come back to what's best for the property restoration and cleaning industries. And, and that, that's what really helped us. Well, and Mark, you know, just to, to add to that, I think one of the other things that, that me and you have talked about a lot is not making this about anything that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. it, hey, what, how can the two organizations work together moving forward and you know the past is the past we can't change that uh, but we can sure work together moving forward there's a lot of trust between Mark and I hmm. um, uh, just person to person I respect him immensely for uh, you know a lot of reasons and I think the main thing is I think he's just honest guy uh, what you see is what you get and uh, so that's a that's a big deal, um, but he's right. We we do call each other a lot and just ask questions about what's going on and you know what what do we think about different things? How can we you know help the people in the industry? So anyway, I think I think you you summed it up pretty good. I just wanted to add that little bit there. You know, you guys. My impression is that even though you both have been pretty involved in the industry and in your own organizations for, for some period of time now, I don't look at you as the good old boys that came back and was chairman 20 years ago and now you're the chairman again. So I don't think you carry a lot of the baggage um, of the history. You were part of it, but not like a, a, a real strong part of it, you know? And I don't know if you would agree that that's helped the two of you kind of work together a little easier. Yeah, I think it has. And I also think that um, Mark and I just don't have time to deal with all the stuff that happened in the past. It's it's more beneficial for us to just move forward and try to do things in the industry for the good while we both have this opportunity. So I think that's how we both look at it. Right. I guess what I would add to that is, and I agree with that entirely, but 
what I would add is that I think that restoration, because I speak mostly from a restoration bias rather than a cleaning bias. You know, there's kind of those those different, a little bit different worlds. There are a lot. There's some overlap, but but clearly I come from the restoration side. I think as restorers we face some incredibly challenging times right now. I think some of the, you know, I I call them out, I mean to be overly dramatic, but there's a there's quite a few existential threats to the property restoration industry right now. And there's a lot of restoration companies right now that are suffering. And I think more now than ever, perhaps, because they face challenges that, um, you know, it's kind of the David and Goliath sort of thing. I mean, the the challenges that, that they face with uh, that some of the TPAs and some of the carriers and some of these areas are are almost, you know, they seem insurmountable. And if the good old boy network is kind of us protecting self-interest, I don't think that helps. I, I say this all the time. So if people have heard me say it before, I, I apologize in advance. But if at RIA and IICRC, we can't help the restoration or cleaning company in Salem, Oregon or Topeka, Kansas or Syracuse, New York, then what are we doing this for? And And so we have to have that really that focus that is is here to um, I challenge our board with it all the time how how do we leave this better than we found it and Kevin I found a, a, a kindred spirit in that area to to be able to accomplish that well, I think that's well said and and I, I think it starts with with your management team and I I know both organizations have made management changes uh, let's start with uh, RIA and you talk a little bit about the changes in the management, and then we'll go over to Kevin and, and talk a little bit about how IICRC has changed their management. Yeah, so from RIA's uh, perspective, we had a, a management company for, um, I think it was about five years that um, worked on our behalf when we made the, the previous switch. I mean, I think management of associations is, is really challenging. Um, particularly, I think a lot of times with the size of organization that RIA is, um, you know, some of the management companies that oversee some of these um, trade associations, you know, the, the really large ones get a disproportionate share of the attention. And, um, and for RIA, some of the, the reasons that we really felt that we needed to make a change and, and we needed to look at, an, at our other options were fundamentally because our members were not having a good experience. Uh, there was too many things that I was really concerned about as an RIA member where we just weren't getting the customer service as members, uh, the responsiveness that I think our members deserve, and then really the focus on the sort of strategic objectives that we set that have to be accomplished by staff. I mean, volunteers can only do so much. And, and really for us, if our volunteers, not only our members are having a bad experience, but also our volunteers are having a challenging experience because uh, <clears throat> their volunteering causes them to lose joy. They feel like I'm doing something and I don't know what the point is. And, and frankly, that's where I was for a little while. I was like, I, I just don't really feel this is worth my while. This is, this is a waste of my time. And, and it was actually, it was my wife who challenged me on that um, because I was a, about ready, this is probably five or six years ago, to just resign from the board and just kind of go do something else and invest my time elsewhere. And she really challenged me and said, you know, if you do that, um, is, is what all this stuff that you really care about, is it going to be better, is it going to be worse if you just disengage and walk away? And, and so I, I took that challenge and, and uh, some other folks that we have on, on our board who are really committed to some of the same things, which is improve member experience and increase volunteer joy. Those were really the two objectives. Um, let, let's do something about that. We realized that starts with really the staff and the management company we have. So we tried to work through it with the previous management company, didn't, didn't get where we needed to be. So actually our, um, our president-elect, the person who will be after me, Katie Smith, led a uh, task force that got our hands super, super dirty, trying to identify where we were going to go. And we landed on association headquarters based out there in New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area. They're right outside of Philadelphia. 
and uh, they also manage um, IAQA and they manage NADCA association headquarters does and so unification of these different industries is important to us we think we've got a lot of area collaboration that can happen uh, certainly that's been our experience with the ICRC and so that that's one of many reasons why we went that direction um, AH was very successful in transforming NADCA and, and helping that organization increase its relevance and how it, it goes to the market. And so we've been really happy so far there, but it's, it's a major challenge. Uh, changing management companies as an association is incredibly disruptive, um, but, we're, but we're happy where we're at now. Good. And then now, Kevin, IICRC has a little different model, bigger organization. Uh, you can afford to have your own management staff, but I, as I I'm sure most listeners are aware you've hired a new, um, I guess he's, is he the executive director or the? Uh, he's the CEO, CEO. Uh, Michael Dat Duke. Yeah. And so, yeah, we hired him in March uh, and uh, Michael came on. I met him in Vegas there and, uh, you know, that week we were working together and all of a sudden this virus stuff hit. And so I think I went home on that Friday and uh, Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday the next week, Mike calls me and goes, you know, I got to believe this, but uh, I got to shut down the GRC tomorrow morning by noon. And this was like eight o'clock at night, one night. And so he uh, somehow between uh, being brand new, five, six days on the job, found everybody a laptop to take home, got the online chat up and running on the IICRC homepage and figured out the phones, figured out how to get everybody their wallet card, their certifications, get all the uh, exams graded. Uh, I don't know how I did it, but uh, I can re I can tell you for certain if I was the one that had to do that from Texas and coordinate all that, I don't think it would have happened. So I, for one, was very grateful that he was on the job. And even though he had only been there a few days, he somehow pulled off that feat of getting everything done uh, with no disruption to to our normal business. So anyway, that, uh, that, that was his welcome to IICRC. Lucky guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Kevin, I just want to publicly thank you and the, the board because I know there was talk of maybe hiring someone that wasn't necessarily from outside of the organization that uh, went back to the good old boy thing. And I was really heartened to, to learn that you guys had gone and uh, done, a, done a really wide search and found someone that wasn't, you know, connected in any way to the IICRC in the past. And that uh, I think you took the registrants and the past uh, volunteers' um, thoughts and concerns in, into account and, and went outside and got yourself someone new. I just wanted to personally thank you and, and the board for that. I thought it was a really class move. I appreciate that, Joe. And, you know, I think uh, that search definitely found us the right guy. Uh, even before Michael started in March, uh, he was – he came from an association in Washington, D.C., and he was he worked right close to the Capitol every day, uh, went, went to the Capitol a lot, knows a lot of uh, congressmen, senators, and this sort of thing, and their staff real well. And uh, Robert Pettyjohn and I actually had the opportunity to go up there and meet with him uh, and talked to some senators and congressmen about uh, mold and military housing and um, also, you know, promote our S520 standards. And so um, that was pretty cool that even before he really started working for IICRC, he was out there promoting. He was texting me pictures of S520 books that he was handing to senators and congressman and all this so it was it was kind of a, a neat deal to see him out there really promoting the organization promoting our standards 
and uh, you know, even before he even started work here. So it was, it was it was a pretty pretty neat deal, and we kind of knew then we got the right guy. Sounds like it. I hope it works out well. Cliff, let me let you jump in here if you want to. Sure. Thanks, Joe. Um, you know, it's obvious that the two organizations have been working together. Uh, if you could highlight for the audience uh, some of the things that you've accomplished together that you know people may or may not know about, I think would be would be good. After you, Kev. Okay. Well, I'll say, you know, we put together a lot of these uh, papers that you've seen. Uh, one of them's now, I think, uh, been revised three times. I think it's in the fourth revision right now. Uh, we've worked together trying to make sure that all of our uh, certified firms, registrants, uh, uh, you know, industry people had the opportunity to be considered essential. Um, so we've done a lot of, a lot of things like that, um, together, a lot of phone calls with Mark and, and, and trying to put it together. And I think, and Mark and I are getting a lot of credit here for something that we just kind of facilitated, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that did all the work. Uh, so, and made Mark and I just look like we're smart guys. So, uh, you know, there's, there's there's a whole committee of people putting together these papers. And I can tell you, I'm not going to speak for Mark, but they were way smarter than me. And so a lot of them got a lot of letters behind their name and all that stuff. So um, it, it's, it's kind of neat to see how it's all come together and the collaboration and um, new people wanting to join the, the uh, revision committee too. So that's kind of a neat thing to see. Yeah. These were the would, COVID-19 uh, papers, uh, coronavirus papers? Correct. I'm just curious, Kevin, or Mark, either one, do you guys have any idea how many times those have been downloaded or how, how widely distributed they are? I don't know on my end. Do you know, Kevin? I don't know. No. I could, a couple things I could say about uh, this that might give us some insights into how important they've been. Uh, we started, RIA started hosting uh, some industry briefings. One of the things I think that's critical for RIA and, and for our industry is to really have open and transparent communication on a larger scale than, than maybe what, what we've seen historically and to really include a larger group of people in the discussion. So we started these industry briefings to really talk about what are the issues behind this? How do we bring leadership to this issue in the industry and the first one that we hosted the first industry briefing has had i don't i haven't checked recently but it had just in a short period of time a couple thousand views so people were going and getting that information um you know in real time and and i'm i'm proud of as kevin said that we had so many selfless people that were investing their time after hours, I mean, on top of their normal jobs, just volunteering their time. Uh, I especially would recognize Brandon Burton, the IICRC standards chairman. Uh, Brandon is such uh, a gift to this industry. And um, I, the people from our side that were on the, from the RIA side that were on the joint task force and, um, our board of directors and our volunteers have just time and again um, really been just holding these, these people who've done this in such high regard because they've been so professional, so selfless, um, giving, I mean, a lot of just their own information to contribute to this. And, uh, you know, to be able to do it in the time frame that it happened, I mean, it happened so quickly. Right. And, and we knew it's what had to happen. I mean, it wasn't going to help the restoration industry to bring this information to everyone a year from now. And usually a lot of times when stuff like this happens, it's way too slow. It's like, oh, great. We've got a, you know, a report on how contractors should be handling COVID in uh, June of 2021. This would have been great to have had a year ago, you know. Uh, but but this stuff was coming out in in just real almost real time, 
And, and there's a lot of egos in this industry and to be able to have people recognize this is what we need and we're going to do the right thing here for our constituents, for our RIA members and ISCRC certified, certified firms where there's a lot of overlap between those two. You know, that, that, that was just so important. So we have, uh, just make sure credit goes where credit's due. There's a lot of people, but Brandon Burton, Mark Drozdov, Norris Gearhart, Michael Pinto, those four people, unbelievable how much time they contributed to that. You know, another thing that's changed with the coronavirus has been the inability to do classroom training. And I think both groups have uh, kind of responded to that and maybe in slightly different ways. Can you both tell us a little bit about what, uh, you know, IICRC is, is built on, you know, providing training courses around the country in classrooms at many different locations. Um, how, how have you handled that, Kevin? Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> we, we started online streaming classes and, uh, you know, Mark just mentioned how fast this, these papers have gotten written in our industry, which is uh, amazing, you know, to think about how fast something got done compared to the way things used to get done. This is another example of that. Um, we had a, I called a special board meeting on March 25th. And on, and we approved online streaming. That was a Wednesday night. By Monday, March 30th, uh, the GRC staff already had the online streaming applications ready to go out to all the instructors, uh, schools, and so that they could fill it out and start getting uh, approved to do this. So <clears throat> they got approved. It took about a week. So now we're second week of April and people are starting to have their first class. So from the end of, from the second week of April to the end of April, uh, there was 1,434 people that took an IICRC exam. And so to be staring at zero exams, 184 instructors with no classes, and to go from that to 1,434 exams and being able to get the registrants, certified firms, the information they need when they need it, uh, to me, that was huge. Uh, so I think back, I, was, I told several people since then, I don't know when IICRC has ever done something so fast put it out and it was, we had a few tweaks, but mainly it went out correct and it was done right. And so, um, I, you know, that, that was a huge deal for us and for the registrants. Okay. Mark, what's, uh, you know, RIA does not as many courses per year and they're done in a little different <laughs> manner. As I understand it, you kind of, I think RIA more or less owns the, the the, um, the course materials and then they get instructors to go out. Now, how have you handled this um, over the last, I don't know, what, three or four months? Has it has much changed? It's completely changing. I mean, we have with the, the education model that RIA has is the advanced designation. So the we, we kind of backing up to one of the things that we worked on with IICRC is the launch of the fire loss specialist, which falls in with the pillar designations that now build up to the CR program. Uh, so a lot of people are familiar with the water loss specialists, the other three there that are either completed, nearly completed in process are the contents loss specialists, the fire loss specialists, and then the environmental restoration specialists. Those four now will all be the prerequisites from an education standpoint for the CR program. We launched last fall um, at the, the GRC in Las Vegas, the very first beta class of the fire loss specialist. It was very successful. Uh, actually, Cliff uh, was, was uh, helped us with that. Thank you for that, Cliff. And um, so that launched there. And then our very first in-person course was scheduled to be in Vegas, or not Vegas, I'm sorry, um, New, New Orleans. Orleans. 
That's right, in tandem with our annual convention. And then our annual convention got all jacked up because of COVID. So uh, we are also in the process of moving these advanced designations to an online model. Um, it is more challenging with the way that the methodology for those. Uh, we're, we're developing uh, more or less the way that we mechanically do that right now. And we anticipate that here about uh, midsummer. Uh, the FLS fire law specialist will be offered in an online uh, venue. And we're really glad that we have that partnership with ISCRC uh, to be able to bring that uh, certification to the market that way. And with their support, our education folks, especially Josh Miller, are working closely with, uh, I think, Holly over there at ISCRC right now mm -hmm. for the mechanics on that. And you know, really talented people that do it all the time. And I'm glad we're doing this with IICRC rather than trying to do it by ourselves because uh, this is one of the foundations as to why this agreement made so much sense for us. As we know, IICRC is really good at certifications. We weren't good at, cert at the actual certifying process. And so together we make, I think, a lot better um, uh, product for restorers. <laughs> And I think that helps the industry, and that's why we're committed to it. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take a minute and thank our sponsors here at halftime. I want to I want to start by thanking our newest sponsor, the American Industrial Hygiene Association (AIHA). They're going by now. Healthier workplaces, a healthier world. IAQ Radio industry sponsors are Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters and air quality monitoring instrumentation. Learn more at ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at HealthyIndoors.com. And AEML Laboratories, free FedEx shipping, great pricing, same-day results, and never a rush fee. Learn more at AEMLinc.com. Association sponsors are the Indoor Air Quality Association, a multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Learn more at IAQA.org and RIA, the Restoration Industry Association, the granddaddy of the restoration industry. Network with leaders. Learn more at restorationindustry.org. Siri, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute. See more deeply through science and research. Learn more at siriscience.org. That's C-I-R-I science.org. A-C-G-I-H, advancing the careers of professionals working in the environmental health, industrial hygiene, and safety communities. Interested in defining their science at acgih.org. Okay, we're back for the second half. Cliff, did you want to start the second half? Uh, thanks, Joe. Um, one of, I, I guess, Mark, one of your, or I guess your primary project, I think, um, the thing that you've been most uh, known for uh, at RIA was advocacy. And uh, could you update the audience on RIA's efforts in advocacy and uh, how we've included or RIA's included uh, IICRC in those efforts. I, yep, happy to do that. One thing real quick, this is um, timely that this just came out. I don't know if you can see this, but this is, uh, oh, it's all backwards, so it doesn't matter anyway. No, I, can, I can see it, announcing oh, RIA. Yeah, so this just came up here, introducing RIA help desk from ICRC. You've invested time and money in your education and training. We're here to help you succeed. And so IICRC has dedicated a help desk to RI members who, you know, historically had a hard time keeping their certifications up to date and not figuring out how to navigate that. So one other example of how this helps the people who've invested so much in certification. So good to see that. And good timing, Kevin. Wait a second. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> no doubt, right? Yeah. Kudos so, to Holly. Um, Anyway, sorry for that little detour, Cliff, but I thought it was relevant. Um, advocacy. So, yeah, I mean, um, advocacy is something that I think in our industry we have gotten killed in. Um, the, our industry is so fragmented. We asked last year in Phoenix 
at the annual convention uh, for the people who are in the audience. It was a pretty good size audience. If they could share one word to describe the property restoration industry. And the word, it actually was two words that are, are basically synonymous, uh, fragmented and fractured were the two words that people use to describe property restoration or the, the uh, industry at, at large. And, and that's not working in our favor. And so there's really two things that I'm talking about all the time when I'm talking to people that can help us. First of all, we have to unify this industry. We have to unify around the common interests that we have. We are not each other's enemy. And I think that it is in favor of those who would oppose us to see us fractured and to see us fragmented. So we, we need unity and we need voice. So once we're unified, uh, we have to be able to speak cogently uh, to be able to help people understand what are really the threats that we face. And we face a lot of them today. We've identified four things that really are um, challenges for restorers. One is the estimating platforms uh, that restorers tell me every single day uh, hurt them. They are told by insurance carriers all the time, you can't deviate from this price. You have to do it for this price or we're not paying you. Uh, that's not even legal. And uh, as restorers, this, this issue impacts us and, and in an enormous way. And not having a voice in that issue has killed us. Um, we have the issue with third-party administrators who speak for restorers uh, rather than on their behalf in a way that is represented by restorers. They speak uh, almost unilaterally for restorers in ways that are not in their interest. And that's a problem. Then we've got the issue with third-party consultants uh, that come in sometimes months after the claim is completed and uh, hold the restorer's invoice hostage and say, we're not going to get you paid until you make these concessions that are, that are frankly completely unfair. But because a lot of restorers have had this happen so much, they're in such a challenging place from a cash flow perspective that they have no choice but to accept these unfair terms. And then the last one is in the area of regulatory or legislative uh, representation. Restorers just don't have any voice here at all. And we find that there's cases time and time again where we don't have a seat at the table and we see regulations or legislation passed down that are not in our interest. So in these areas, we want to see this voice and we're doing it through um, what what's we call the AGA blueprint, advocacy and government affairs blueprint. And uh, this blueprint gives us a seven step strategy uh, to be able to begin to see restorers tip the scales back in a way that is fair and sustainable and equitable. And so we talk about this all the time. It's been hard through COVID because uh, a lot of businesses are just trying to stay afloat right now. Uh, but we're still fighting this every single day. We've had some very important, relevant, and uh, frankly, promising discussions with the CEO of Exactware that's been going on now for the last roughly six, well, six months, but uh, we, we are hosting in this briefing series, uh, this discussion with Mike Fulton. Uh, we're asking a lot of tough questions. Fortunately, Mike is game for that. I've told him up front, Mike, we're going to have to have hard discussions and they're not going to be easy questions. Uh, some people, I think, as they see these or they listen in, they feel the intensity in it. They feel it's uncomfortable. We're having uncomfortable discussions, but they have to happen. Uh, we've gone too long with uh, with not being willing to have uncomfortable dis uh, discussions. And I can guarantee you right now with Exactware, for example, um, contractor interests are being represented. And, and that's critical for us now. And we're not going to stop doing that because of the agreement that we have with IICRC. Uh, we're able to really focus on that. We, we can let IICRC do what they do really, really well, develop standards, develop certifications, and we can stay laser focused on those things that I think most impact restorers. And if we don't do it now, I don't know when we'll get another chance. I, I guess, long, I'm sorry for the long, long answer, uh, Cliff. Well, no, I'm passionate about it. I, I think it's good. And I know that, I know that you're passionate about it, but I, I also know that the, the AGA, uh, you know, look for donations and uh, I, I know has been able to raise some money and, and so on and so forth. And while we were sitting here, and, you know, Kevin mentioned earlier that, you know, within some short period, you know, there were 1,400 exams taken. And something tells me that the majority of those exams were somehow restoration orientated because I'm not 
sure whether water's still the biggest uh, category for the IICRC, but I know that uh, you know that it used to be. And I was just wondering. I'm just going to throw an idea out there that you know, if if at every if at every course that occurred, if there was some mention of the AGA activities, and if there was some way that these people could send you. you you get these all the time. I get them in the mail all the time. And it says, you know, this part of your donation, uh, you know, cannot be written off because, uh, you know, this is for political, uh, political activism or, or whatever. But if you got, I don't know, it could be a dollar for every person or $5 or whatever, you know, check this and they'll check your credit card. It would seem to me that uh, the people who really need the advocacy uh, can financially support it you know, without IICRC having to, you know, dig into their coffers and, and support it or without RIA having, to, you know, to dig into theirs any further. And, uh, you know, it would, you know, it would be, it could happen very, very quickly. So maybe that's something you and Kevin could uh, could talk about sometime. Well, we have, I'm uh, back to Kevin and my relationship. Uh, we, we both want the same thing for the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a joint task force. We'll probably get to talk more about that for advocacy between RIA and ICRC. That's part of our our agreement. And uh, what we, we, it's what in a couple of weeks, Kevin, we've got a meeting of that joint task force. Yeah, I think in two weeks. Yeah. So, so yeah, these are the issues we're, we're wrestling with. Yeah. Hey, let me jump in here, and I I wanted to finish this discussion on training because. Um, Things have changed a lot, and I'm wondering if if this change will be temporary or permanent. But before we get to that, uh, Kevin, maybe you could tell listeners a little bit about, you know, one of the problems with hands with um, online training is is getting that hands-on component. And I'm wondering if any of the instructors have come up with unique ways of getting some of the attendees to do some type of hands-on, even though they're not in a classroom. You know, that's a good question, Joe. It's really something that we've talked a lot about at the board level and and one that uh, concerns a lot of people, um, and rightfully so. But, you know, what we've approved now is basically 14 courses that can be online. It's not all the courses. So, like, obviously, like our ASD, the Applied Structural Drying course, is not one of them because you have to physically go to a flood house to take that course. So uh, some of the courses that have a heavy hands-on component are not part of this online streaming, but uh, you know, we've had a lot more of the the cleaning courses get offered here lately um, because I think they can fill the classes uh, a lot faster online. And so I've had some of the instructors I was talking to that they, they come up with uh, unique ways to, to demonstrate the hands-on aspect of like cleaning upholstery. They got cameras and they're following people around or they're spot dying. They're, you know, uh, got a camera right down on the table or cleaning upholstery. Uh, so so there, there's different ways that they've been using uh, cameras and stuff like that to come uh, to kind of demonstrate that the hands-on aspect uh, in the online courses. So some of them have done pre-recorded videos as well. So um, it's it's it, there's a lot of different uh, techniques and it kind of depends on the instructor. But those are a few of the the things I've heard and and I've set in on a few of the classes and kind of seen them done. So it's been it's been interesting to to watch uh, for sure on the classes I've set in on um, and see just basically how creative people are with making these online courses uh, interesting. You know, I I think I was on the board about six years ago, and and even then there was a lot of talk about online training. We've got to move into the future, do online training. Well, now that you've been forced into it, <laughs> you're right. Um, you see it going away? I, you know, the board approved it and said that we're going to look at it at the end of July to kind of tweak it and this sort of thing. I, I don't think we can put something out there like that and then just say, oh, we're taking it back. To me, 
I don't think that would go over real well. These things have, uh, these classes have uh, filled up. They continue to fill up. We've only, um, we put a cap on the number of people that could be in a class at 20. And so uh, th these, most of the instructors are filling their classes, you know, very quickly after they put them out. And it's kind of neat to see. Uh, I even talked to uh, several of the instructors down in Australia the other day, and they've been filling up their classes down there as well. Uh, so it's, it's, and I know in Canada, they've been doing that over there too. So it's kind of neat to see it happen, not only here in the States, but in other countries. And Mark, I know RIA hasn't got fully up and running with the online, but I assume once you do, it's probably not going away. I hope not. I mean, I think that there's a certain element of these, especially the advanced designations where the relationships that are forged in those classes is a really important long-term element of that shared experience. Um, I know for me, I mean, some very close friends I have today were guys I met in my CR school 18 years ago. So we, we don't want to lose that element of the DNA that we have in there, but we think we can still accommodate and accomplish that with certain elements not being as cumbersome or as difficult for the restorer. You know, people learn differently today than they did 18 years ago when I went to the CR school. Uh, the, the way they demand that they get their learning and their education is different. And frankly, it's, it's hard for a lot of restorers to make the commitment to put someone on an airplane send them out to wherever it is that we have, a, a, you know, a WLS or CR school and spend X amount of nights in a hotel and get Ubers and get all the things. It's, it's very expensive. And so we need as an industry to see an elevation of the technical skills that we have, which means we're probably gonna have to meet people better where they're at to elevate the industry, which is what we want to accomplish rather than just being committed to certain things that we have that we're comfortable with uh, historically. So yeah, I think it is going to be here to stay, but we, we have to balance both the education piece with also the long-term relationships that also are important. Yeah, I've got a, a text question, but I wanna, I'm going to tie that into a question down the road, Don, but um, before we leave this discussion on, you know, the online training and certification programs and education, um, have, have you, you just mentioned, like, have you guys made any progress on collaborating to develop, like, a career path for the restoration industry? Go ahead, Kev. You know, um, it's something that's been talked about a lot within IICRC. Um, I know that with the, the RIA advanced designations, um, that's it's, it's their kind of really formally but it's kind of there informally right now but it's definitely something that we internally in IICRC have talked about um, and I, I think it's one of the things that Mark and I have uh, discussed um, but as far as anything formal we really haven't uh, formalized anything on that yet doing anything together on it uh, but it's definitely there there's definitely talk about it it's um, you know, we, we've kind of gotten sidetracked here recently with our uh, uh, new world, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that'll all subside and we can kind of get back to some of these issues, Joe. Yeah, COVID can't kill the progress here. I mean, from our, this is, I keep this right next to my desk because it's so important. This is the RIA strategy on a page. It's our really our strategic plan built down into a flow chart. And we believe that education and advocacy go hand in hand. It's hard to advocate for an uneducated industry. So we have to see that grow. And one of our uh, strategic kind of areas that we're focused on is elevating the industry. And so one of those pieces, whether you like it or not, Kevin, is develop career pathways with IICRC. So we're totally committed to it. Actually, Josh Miller, uh, who is a, one, an ICR, ICR yeah. instructor and, and just a, another guy, one of these guys is just a, a gift to our industry. 
Um, he, he's working with some of his IICRC counterparts. I think he, maybe it's David Hodge he's talking with yeah. on that front. Yeah. They're, they're trying to basically develop a way that we can bring this um, into a, a increased level of professionalism uh, across uh, across the board. And now with ICRC, we can see things like, you know, instead of WLS and CR being great, you know, the world's great or the, the greatest secrets of the industry, we, we need those to go out to the masses. We need the, the consumer to demand a CR. And we can get there now in what we're doing with ICRC and with the management uh, team that we have at AH. Cliff, did you want to jump in here? Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess I do. Um, yeah, I think with RIA's track record and um, IICRC's history and, and accomplishments, you know, it seems to me if you're going to do a career path, really the only way to do it would be to do something with uh, third-party uh you know, certification of the course, either taking it through ANSI or taking it through, uh, you know, the, the the certification body that Charlie Wiles uses that, you know, you have a third party do it. You know, the standards are third party and it seems to me that, you know, the education has to go third party as well. And I think really now's the time to do it. I mean, you have thousands of people uh, and you can just turn them uh, in, in that direction. I think you have all the things that you need. Uh, you just need to get the forms and sign up and uh, get these, you know, get a course third party uh, certified and you know, you're on your way. Sounds like you've been talking to David Hodge and uh, Josh Miller and Michael Dakduke there, Cliff. Because that's what I've heard them say. Now I've been talking to Joe Hughes for 20 years about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think he was on that bandwagon uh, a long time ago, but it's good that it's good that you're uh, it's good that you're working on it. Cause I think that's uh, a noble thing to do and an important thing to do. And I think that's the thing that will get you the career path that you're looking for. You know, I, I I like, but I also like that you call these a designation rather than a certification. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it um, until you do get to the point where you have a, a third party certification program. A designation is another way of looking at it. That, what, how did that wording come about there, Mark? Is that something that was, you know, really thought through and, and debated or is it just something that came along naturally? Well, I think with, um, RIA's advanced education as we, you know, really dealt with this, there was a real challenge because we had Marty King's DNA all over the CR program and it continues to this day. It's not that there's not still M Marty's fingerprints all over it, but we knew that as the CR body of knowledge was developed and it as it was brought out to the, to the industry for peer review and for really the, the view of the industry and for them to be able to embrace it. Um, that, that is really when the, um, the language probably shifted a little bit to advanced designations rather than certifications. Um, I certainly don't claim to be a certification expert. Um, I, want, I want to see our industry's level of professionalism um, increased similar as to what it is in other trades. Um, you know, the barriers to entry that we have in our industry are too low. And as, as one of the issues that I've dealt with in the advocacy side, and this is one of the things that Mike Holton told me from Exact, whereas we complained about some of the issues that we deal with every day is that, you know, we have some perception challenges. Um, some restoration companies, um, don't represent our industry well. And, uh, and we have to do a better job of, of making sure that we hold each other accountable to a standard that is ethical, that has high ethical standards, and that has um, a, a level of professionalism that doesn't make us as an industry have a giant black eye. So that, that's really what I want to get to. I want to see us as an industry forge ahead in. Uh, 
as to the issue of designations and certifications and third party, first party, all these different things. I think there's probably more, there's probably people who are more qualified to speak intelligently about that than I, um, but, but that's really what, what for me fundamentally I wanna see us accomplish. Okay, thank you guys. I, we've only got a couple of minutes left here and I wanna give you both a chance for a final word. But before we do, I have one other question I think is important and it ties into the text from a listener. What other organizations, you know, you've got IIC or CNRIA working together really well, and that's great to see. Has that also led to working relationships with other groups? And the text from the listener is that um, Don Weeks, he wants to welcome both groups to become a part of the Indoor Environmental Quality Global Alliance, with, which started with ASHRAE and has some very high-powered uh, organizations that are a part of that group. In fact, IIC was part of it when I was on the board. I kind of spearheaded that. And then um, after I left with all the you know, different changes and so on and so forth, no one really took it and ran with it. And, and I just think it's an important organization that you guys could be a part of that would help to broaden our appeal to the industrial hygiene people, the health and safety professionals out there. Uh, and uh, of course, the mechanical contractors, mechanical engineers, and so on. This That's who is a part of the IEQ Global Alliance. Any any thoughts on that? I know I'm kind of springing it on you here, but or just what other groups you started to work with that hadn't been working with in the past? Kevin, I just hogged a whole bunch of words, so go ahead. Uh, well, I just put into the chat my email address, Don, so you can uh, feel free to contact me, and we can we can get with Mark and and uh, see what you have in mind. And definitely, I know we've uh, one of the the industry papers that we put together. We worked NATCA on some stuff. Um, you know, we we've there's there's some other industry. Uh, associations have contacted us recently about doing some things together um, that Mark and I have talked about. And I think we have a meeting with a couple of them here in a week or so. Uh, so definitely that's in the works and we, you know, it never hurts for us to, to have conversations and see where it goes. And weren't you guys working with IAQA and uh, NADCA, and I think it was RIA, maybe an IICRC, had a, had a group that was working together on just, I think, professionalizing the industry and then, and also recognizing each other's standards? I think that's the Allied Industry Group. That's it? Yeah, that, that group. Um, we're not working with that group right now. We'd, we'd love to find a path to work with them. Um, but as Kevin said, I mean, I just, I guess the only thing I would add is that, you know, as, as restorers, one thing that's difficult for us is that there's so many different things in this industry, that fragmentation and fracturing means that, you know, if you want to participate in the industry, it's like you have to be on an airplane every other week. And that doesn't help anybody, I don't think. And so, you know, we, we really want to facilitate these things happening in a more, consolidated and unified way. That's why we renamed, RA renamed its annual conference to the uh, International Restoration Industry Expo. Um, we're, we're willing to kind of take some of our name off of it if we can get more people to join with us to have these important discussions in one place. It, it's really thinking about, again, what's best for the industry rather than just what's best for me and my silo. And so to the degree that we can get more people engaged and involved in this, and again, leave it better than we found it, we're open to it and we want to see it happen. Well, thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. Kevin, any final thoughts that you'd like to add before we wrap this up? You know, Joe and Cliff, I just appreciate you having Mark and I on to, to discuss these things. And, and uh, you know, Mark and I talk all the time. It's, it's an it's a honor to be on with you guys. And I appreciate all the, the friendship over the years, Joe, and, and the, the, the good times that me and you had on the board years ago. That was, you know, uh, stuff that I won't forget. So uh, I've just met a lot of uh, interesting and cool people in this industry. And it's to, you know, come on here with some of, some of those people. 
Thanks for joining us. Mark, final thoughts? In addition to echoing what uh, Kevin just said, and thanks for uh, having us on today, I just want to thank you guys for what you do. Uh, the the grind, what did you say? It was 500 and how many episodes you're up to? 588 today. 588. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, that's what you guys are doing to, to, to elevate the industry as well is so appreciated. Uh, it's it's a thankless job, I think, as you guys know, in a, in a lot of ways, but just appreciate what you guys are doing and for creating really a, a platform and a venue where we can talk about these really important issues for so many people, their businesses, their families, and, and all their employees. We want to thank both of you. And Cliff, I want to give you a final word or a final thought, question, whatever you'd like. No, I think that um, Michael Dakduck was the right guy because he's a Marine. You know, Semper Fi, put him in charge, <laughs> let him go, get out of his way, and he'll get it done. Right? That's, that's what it. they do in the Wild West, too, right, Mark? Um, that's right. That's right. All right, gentlemen, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, Mark Springer, RIA president, Kevin Pearson, IICRC chairman, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick, our engineer, John, you got to have faith. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. We'll be back next Friday at noon with the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.